Hey guys, welcome back to Bodies in the Bayous. I'm Morgan. And I'm Gretchen. We're bringing you season one, The Texas Killing Fields, episode 24, Unsolved. Is it somebody close to home? So today we're going to start out with Deborah Ann Audrey. And Deborah Ann Audrey was a 23-year-old girl living in Galveston, Texas. She was found on March 6, 1985, naked and stabbed to death on the beach near Jamaica Beach around midnight. She was just a few feet off of what they call the grass line or which would be like the sand, the line um, of kind of dunes in the area. She had multiple stab wounds to the chest and neck. She was actually found by a Kansas City man who was driving on the beach. The medical examiner said she was probably killed around 11 on that same day. Police searched the area where she was found and did not find any of her clothing or identification. They actually went from trash can to trash can trying to look to see if they could find anything. They also walked along the surf to see if anything was washing up. Um, as they were attempting to identify her, an officer actually recognized her and they were able to go tell the family about her death. She was a girl who lived on the island. Sadly, that's really all we have um, on this case. I only came across one other mention of the fact that the case was still unsolved. But in combing through web sleuth uh, tri type message boards and Galveston area message boards and then any of the sources that we have access to, I could not find anything on her case. So at this point, truly believe that her case is inactive. Um, and so if anybody knows anything, can you reach out to us, let us know, contact the Galveston County um, Sheriff's Department or the Galveston Police Department and let them know anything that you would uh, know. So do we know if there was an autopsy or anything on, the, on her? Like, would there be anything maybe testable today? Or So the problem sometimes with, with Galveston is, um, so there possibly would be. There would have been an autopsy done, um, and that's where we do get the medical examiner saying, um, about giving around about the time of her death, um, which is 11 p.m., and I said that same day, it's actually 11 p.m. the night before. She's found around midnight on the 6th. She was killed around 11 p.m. on the 5th. And and so we do know there was an autopsy given. We do know that evidence was collected. The only problem with it is, for those of you who are not familiar um, with kind of hurricanes and stuff like that. One of the negative things that um, happens in this area is that when the hurricanes have hit before, there have been destruction of evidence. And when Hurricane Ike hit Galveston Island, the um, storage facility that stored a lot of uh, evidence in many cold cases was actually destroyed mm -hmm. and that may be why i'm having so much trouble finding any information on this case it may be that the evidence is gone on this case and that um files are gone or lost 
on this case. So that that might be part of part of the issue here. Um, it it could be that it's not. I mean, we have come across other Galveston County cases where we're really not getting much evidence or I mean much information too. But we just don't know on this case. But if there was evidence, you you can't guarantee that it would be available to be testing because of of Hurricane Ike. You know, there right. is a, there's always that possibility that any evidence was destroyed in that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and really, there could be flooding even without a hurricane. Sure, you, you know, around here. And I do remember the one sheriff that we spoke with um, had said that, you right, know, and it kind of confirmed that for us. Um, that that is something that happens, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah, is that unfortunately um, just evidence storage in this area is is tricky, you mm-hmm. know, and um, and so I think this is one of those things where we really almost need the public's information to see if there's anything that we could try to go forward with on contacting Galveston and and seeing if if we could find out more information on this case. I mean, we almost need the public's help to fill in holes before we even go there. Right. So, um, but again, um, Deborah Audrey, 23 years old. So found in uh, Jamaica Beach, Galveston. Yeah. Yeah. So the next case we're going to cover is a woman named Shelly Franklin. And Shelly Franklin was born in 1957. Her name was Shelly Therese Gooden. She was young when she got married, 18 years old. And by 19, she became a mother for the first time. She had two children, a boy and a girl with her first husband, a man that we'll refer to as Mr. Ludwig. The marriage didn't last long and they divorced. And so Shelley married again in 1984 to a man by the name of Mr. Franklin. This marriage also did not last very long and they had split up by 1986. Due to the fact that it was hard to make ends meet. Shelly had to work quite a bit. So she worked um, at a bar, also as a dancer, and she worked at a food truck. Um, So one of the things that happened here is that her children ended up living with their grandparents. Mm -hmm. And do we know if that was on her mom's side or her dad? From what I understand, I believe that that was actually on her side of the family, that that was her um, side. And so um, she's described by friends as a little bit of a party girl, a feisty woman who was full of life. On November 26, 1986, she was found dead in her San Leon home. She had been beaten to death. A towel had been placed over her face. And when police arrived and they noticed this with the towel being placed over her face, they actually said that they believed that she had been murdered by somebody that she knew. Um, And we see that a lot in cases where police will come in and say, you know, it's because the person who killed him couldn't couldn't bear to look at her in that kind of uh, condition. From what I also understand, there did seem to be no forced entry to this home. So 
whoever was there may have possibly been invited. But again, we're also talking about 1986. It's very possible that she was not used to locking her home either. I mean, it does make you believe that she let somebody in, but I don't know that that is 100% the case. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with San Leon, this is a small beach community. Yeah. You know, even today's standard, you know, I don't, San Leon may have grown a little bit from the eighties to now, but it's not, it's a tiny kind of town. It's very tiny. I mean, I would say just when you drive through there, neighborhoods are very small. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing you get is, you know, maybe a trailer on a large piece of land, right? you know, so definitely a smaller community yeah and the houses are are spread farther apart than the houses in some of these other coastal communities where you have houses and houses houses these the houses in san leon tend to sit on a larger plot mm -hmm. of land um maybe possibly houses which are sitting on an acre plot of land between each other mm -hmm. so and, yeah um and then so this case Police do look into this case quite a bit, questioning both her first ex-husband, who is the father of her two children, and then also questioning her second ex-husband, focusing in, you know, on both of them for a while. Um, and then in, in 2016, the case is kind of re-looked at by another investigator. And at that time, it does seem like that case is partly re-looked at because her children have really stepped up and said, we want to see some sort of justice happen for our mother. Well, and think how much forensics and DNA evidence has progressed by 2016 right. from 86, mm -hmm. you know, so maybe, you know, they're learning things and thinking, Hey, we can maybe get somewhere, yeah. you know, and cause they're definitely of age before then, mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe they've started families of their own and they're like, Hey, you know, what about my mom? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so, and I, and one thing I want to be also very clear in here too, is Mr. Lugwood does also come forward at this point, her first ex-husband and really starts to ask for the public's attention in this case, asking for justice for his ex-wife um, and becomes quite the advocate there too for something to happen in this case. Mm -hmm. At that point, the police do announce that, he, that her first ex-husband is not a suspect. So they make it very, very clear that he was ruled out as a suspect. But they do say that her second ex-husband and one other unnamed suspect are the two suspects in this case. So then again, you know, this case gets a little bit of media attention and then pretty much kind of, you know, stops. A um, lot of asking the public for information. In, in 2021, the police do come out again. Again, this is with the family coming out and saying, you know, please bring this back up into the media's attention. You know, we need some sort of closure for um, what has happened. 
And at that point in time, the police do say that the second ex-husband, which is why we've chosen not to use the first name of either the first or the second ex-husbands, are not suspects in this case, that both of them have been ruled out as suspects. You know, that makes me curious if they have some DNA. So, you know, to to not come out initially in 2016 mm -hmm. to rule out the second husband, and then 2021, you are. Well, one of the things that they say in 2021 is that it does seem like they have something, something there right? DNA-wise. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they do say in 2021 is that the other suspect, the unnamed suspect that they have here, is um, is has is deceased. So they do give you that information. I think it's very important here when we talk about the fact that somebody who's a suspect in this case is deceased, that we acknowledge two things. One, that family still deserves to know what happened. Mm -hmm. So although financially, you know, resources might be better spent into a case where you could look at some sort of justice, this family still deserves to know. These children grew up without their mother. Right. Um, and the other thing that I think is also very important here is these two men who were her ex-husband also lived their life under a shadow of suspicion. It's nice that they have been, you know, cleared, cleared mm -hmm. that they're ruled out, but they lived their life under a shadow of suspicion. So it would be important to finally put an end to this. Mm -hmm. But the last part of here that is important is even though they're not naming this third suspect, again, if DNA could possibly rule that third person out or in, but what if that third person would be ruled out? I think it's important that that happened too. Right. So, but it, Shelly was well known in this community. She was well known, you know, um, at the bar, as a dancer, also working at the food truck, somebody out there may have some information. And I think it's important to come forward and give that information. And one of the things about these cases that we have really focused in on lately is when these cases start to fall off and go so cold, the detectives who are working in those departments may have no idea about them. Mm -hmm. So if you know something, if somebody said something to you, it's very important to go ahead and pick up the phone and call and talk to them. Because even if you think that you were interviewed before, or even if you think that they have a record of that, they may not. Right. So this is a Galveston County Sheriff's Department case. So please, if you have information on this case, we encourage you to call the Galveston County Sheriff's Department. So... Okay, the next case we're going to cover is Detta D. Taylor Maris, who was from Pasadena, Texas. She lived in the 6200 block of Georgina Street. And on July 14, 1990, she disappeared. She was a 35-year-old housewife who lived with her husband, Willie Ray Maris, and her teenage daughter. Her husband was questioned a couple different times by investigators. Um, a few months later, eight months later, actually, her body was found in a rice field in Liberty County. 
the cause of death was ruled a homicide, but we do not know what the actual cause was. At the time of her death, when investigators questioned her husband, they announced to the media that he was evasive with his answers. That in recent years has caused a bit of kind of a back and forth with the um, cold case community where there's questions about why he was evasive, more information kind of comes forward about different things that Willie did during his life. He did pass away in 2020. So he has, he is now deceased. To say that police did not look at him as a suspect, I, that I can't say. From what we know, um, police definitely looked at her husband as pretty much the prime suspect. Yeah. And I mean, certainly in these, um, unfortunate homicides that is who they are always going to look at first they're always going to look at the husband or the wife and who's the closest to them Mm -hmm. you know so i don't find that to be unusual and so there there are some different things um and it it kind of brings up debate one of the things that is is pointed out um is that willie did live at that live in that house where she disappeared from um, up until his death in 2020. So that is one of the things that some people say is strange. Like if maybe he was holding onto the house because he'd done something to her there and he didn't want anything to um, be found out. Um, and, is, I, and see, I don't find that odd. Do you find that odd? That he stayed at the house? Yeah. No. You know, from, I mean, he was a loyal employee who worked at Shell Oil mm-hmm. for for pretty much his his entire career, career mm-hmm. um which would have been close distance for him to go to work sure. um the house by that point probably would have been paid off i mean he had lived there for quite a few years and so no i don't i don't find it odd um and when they say disappeared i mean is it that she was like kidnapped and disappeared from inside the home or was it like that she never came home. You know well, what I mean? Like, so what is the significance behind so the, unfortunately, I guess, gossip? Unfortunately, again, the, the problem is the police are asking for information in this case. Pasadena police are actually asking for information in this case. Um, and we'll give you the number in, in just a few minutes. But they are very, very vague about the information that they have. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting any more information out of them. So the information that I can't find out in this case is who reported her missing. When was she reported missing? We know that she apparently disappeared on July 14th, 1990, but we don't know exactly when she was reported missing. Um, and we know that her body was found eight months later in Liberty County, which is a where she's found is a little bit of a distance from where she goes missing. Um, But because of decomposition, we don't have a cause of death. However, they have come out fully and said it was homicide. So police may have a cause of death. They're just not releasing that. Right, right. Um, So, and then 
so all you're getting on this case is really a lot of neighborhood gossip. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of one of the things that does come out kind of in the message boards is that, you know, a woman states that neighbors say that the police were over to the house a lot. Well, the question that I have about that is because that's a post that happens in 2021. Were the neighbors over to the house a lot before she went missing or were I mean, were police over to the house? a lot before she went missing or were police over to the house a lot over the last couple of years trying to make contact to see if they could find out any more information. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, even when we discuss this, like you said, it's a matter of when they were there, right. right? Because if there's new detectives on these cases, which often happens with cold cases, they get on the desk of, you know, somebody else. It could just be the fact that a new detective is, trying to touch base with him right i mean it, it literally could be nothing bad mm -hmm. you know so that's speculation at best and and that's really all we have we only have one other speculation point which is that he apparently rumor wise had been known to tell people when he'd go out to the bar that he had never been married mm -hmm. and again i don't know that that says much to me about him possibly doing anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know either. You know, I, I don't find it extremely odd um, unless he was saying that to people that knew better. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But if it's just a patron at the bar, why, why does he even have to go there? It might be so traumatizing for him that he doesn't want to go there or doesn't want to be asked a million questions mm -hmm. about what has happened to his ex-wife or his wife you right. know so i mean i don't know if i'd find that alarming either but what we do know is that there is little to no information again on this case which is why we're covering it today and i'm not saying that he didn't do anything but i certainly don't think with any of the information here that i would say that he did do anything mm -hmm. you know i don't i don't think that there's there's really anything there to say one way or another, unless somebody comes forward with information. What I will say is this, there are posts out there about the neighbors saying different things to different people about him, about police activity and all of that. If you know anything about this case, if you know anything about his relationship with her, if you know anything about her relationship with other people, it is very important to go ahead and call and get Pasadena police that information. The only way this case is going to be solved is going to be information from the public. This is not going to be a DNA case. Right. So, so Pasadena Police Department, 713-475-5590. Again, Pasadena Police Department, 713-475-5590. So the next case we're actually going to cover brings us right back to Texas City, which is, um, in our backyard it's so weird it always seems like we circle right back around to here mm -hmm. at the end that's weird i think you know always feeling like we're almost part of something because it's involved here or maybe 
feeling a little more connected to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and for, for me, this case has definitely been that because this is one of those, those cases where every avenue that we could possibly try to get more information on this case, we have tried. Mm -hmm. And, um, so the case that we're covering today is actually Kimberly Juanetta Clay Blissett. She was an African-American woman who was born in 1962. She was 27 years old. She had graduated from Texas City High School. She married at age, net 19, age 18 to Joseph Blissett. Um, her and Joseph had three children and she went on to have three more children. Um, she was the mother of six children. She worked for a while as a nurse's aide for Danforth Memorial Hospital in Texas City. At the time of her death, she was not currently working. She was a member of the Groves Baptist Church in Wharton. And on August 23, 1990, Kimberly was last seen by friends about 3.30 a.m. in the 500 block of 2nd Avenue in Texas City. People who saw her said that they thought she was walking home or that she may have been walking home. However, her body was found near the coast of Skyline Drive of Texas City on um on August 23, 1990, she was found by construction workers. She was nude. She had several stab wounds and investigators thought that she might have been forced into a vehicle, killed elsewhere and dumped on the location where she was found. One other bit of information that I have is that she possibly lived in the 400 block of Martin Luther King Avenue, which one of the reasons you know, that we were kind of curious about this was 3.30 a.m. kind of walking home, you know, how far did she have to go? You know, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out was she walking home from the hospital, but then we found out that she was no longer working there. And so we were trying to figure out, you know, how far that would have been. And what, what we kind of found is that from the 500 block of 2nd Avenue to the, to Fort Worth, 100 block of Martin Luther King Boulevard would have been like roughly three or four blocks. Mm -hmm. And so to me, if you're kind of hanging out um, with friends or you're out at a, at a party or a location to, to walk home that short distance, that would be nothing. Mm -hmm. It would be like, I'm just going to go around the corner and go home, go to bed for the night. Um, and, uh, and so yeah, you're looking at maybe a five or 10 minute walk and what, what else gets me about this is from where she was last seen and, you know, where her body is found is such a very short distance that it's sad. Right. So you where know? she's last seen though, and her body being found mm -hmm. is about 14 to 15 blocks. Yeah. So, so uh, it is within walking distance. I think that she could have walked to that, but everything that, I have been able to find says that it does not look like she was killed at that location. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, and I believe that too. I don't think she actually was walking up mm -hmm. there. Um, I mean, they do close some of that off at night anyways, but um, it's just so crazy how small of an area right. it is for her. And I think again, you know, 
this is one of those cases that just kind of tugs at your heartstrings when you think of a young mother with six children six kids Gretchen I mean what's so sad about that is some of them were so young they won't even remember anything about her right you know almost like they'd never met her so, and that, that's just that just breaks my heart it really does and I think you know to not have anything happen in this case it's just I think it's time, you know, um, this is one of those times when you have to plead with the community. If you know something about this case, please, you know, call, call law enforcement, get in touch with, with somebody who can, can help, can kind of somebody, somebody knows something. Okay. She's, it's too she, close to home right for no one to know anything and then you know i mean this is the other question that i always have here is so she's walking home right and then now she's nude you know out there um so something happened between this period of time you can't just I mean, you have a period of time where she disappears, but it's not, it's not a huge period. You know, she's seen that around 3 a.m., right? It's early in the morning when they find her um, out there. It's when the construction work begins. I don't know that I found an exact time, but I believe it's like 8 a.m. It's, it's like between 8 and 10, yeah. I think, something um, like that. And so you're not talking about a huge amount of time. So where was she between that time? You know, um, obviously police believe that she was in a car. I think that you can't not think that she was in a car because I, I don't think that you dragged her 14 to 15 blocks out there. No, no, no you way. Know? And, and that's not the easiest terrain to get up there to skyline no. either. So, so, and then you have that huge body of water in between it and then the body of water on the other mm -hmm. side of it. So there's no way that, yeah. So you have uh, for those who are not familiar, you have pretty much the Galveston um, Bay that comes in there, um, which is just right on the other side of Skyline Drive. And then there is a bayou that goes down in there as it curves around. Mm -hmm. So, um, and really there's a park with another body of water that, that comes mm -hmm. in too. So, um, but that road, it does seem like that, you know, she's dumped out on that road mm -hmm. there. Um, and then one of the other things that kind of comes in here is the construction, from what I understand, it was known that was construction was being done out there. So like there were probably and cones. And that's weird and, too, because you know, that, that road may have been closed on the side where you entered uh -huh. to get into the dike. You know, right. they do that a lot. Yeah. And so they would have had to come in through the back way. Which I don't think at night that would have been something that you couldn't do. No, I don't think so either. But if you're <sighs> thinking a body drop, right? right? I mean, that's a pretty long stretch where uh -huh. you can't, you're not turning off anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, you, you know, can... I think you're correct there. I mean, unless you're turning around right there and coming back the way that you are, that's a long stretch where uh -huh. you could. So, so thinking that somebody may have dumped her out and then turned around and came back mm -hmm. and maybe that was possible. And that's assuming the right. road is closed because if it's open, uh -huh. then 
But those gates do close at night. They do. I don't know in 1990 if the gates closed at night, but those gates are closed at night nowadays. So, but it could be that that kind of delayed what another plan would have been. Right. You couldn't get out there. Um, maybe you couldn't get out to the dike for some reason. And so you had to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, or you were out at the dike. And as you're leaving, you drive along that road, mm-hmm. you know, or um, some altercation might have happened in the car while you're out there. Yeah. And then you just dump, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds so horrible to say it like that, but because the lighthouse is out there too. Yeah. So what if it was like, oh, let's go to the lighthouse, you know? Right. I mean, and this is pure speculation, mm-hmm. but it's always a possibility. It is a possibility, you know, you know so. I, um, although that area is sometimes patrolled, I don't know that it's like a consistent patrolling of that area. Now, August, what I will tell you is nowadays in August, when you go out to the dike, even at night, you're not going to be alone. There no. are going to be a lot of fishermen and different people out there. Well, and you've got the part too, where people are at. Yeah. Even walking dogs straight from where I'm at to there. People do it all the time, even though it closes, quote unquote. People are walking their dogs out there. So it seems to me that that was But at three in the morning? Right. After three? After three. I don't think you're going to have a whole lot of activity, but I think you still have some activity out there. But But one of the things about her is that she was known in this community her family was known in this community um her mother was known in the community it's time yeah it's time to give this family some answers and to give this case some closure so please if you have any information on this case and again i hate to say this over and over again but this is one of those things where don't assume that they have the information just because you gave it 30 some years ago they may or may not. You can't make that determination. Hey, I talked to somebody. I told somebody all those years ago. I don't need to come forward now. If you had information that all those years ago, then I would make the call now because mm-hmm. you can't guarantee that they have it. And that's for many of the other reasons that we talked about earlier. But this one is a Texas City Police Department case. The number for calling in on that one is 409 643 5838 again 409 643 5838 if you're not comfortable with that and you want to stay anonymous please call 409 945 8477 that's the number for crime stoppers on this case so again 409 945 8477